Welcome back to another episode of Wednesday Wisdom. We'll be right back with today's guest, but first let's hear from our podcast sponsors. We want to say thank you to Hometown Ticketing for their support of Wednesday Wisdom. Hometown Ticketing is the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can learn more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you and your program by going to hometownticketing.com. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to thank Violet Defense for their support of Wednesday Wisdom and the podcast. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement some of their existing products, or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for their support of the Educational AD Podcast and Wednesday Wisdom. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive. You know, it's becoming harder and harder to fund an athletic department, but Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year while creating excitement in the gym and the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and see what these fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they are on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They provide a variety of interactive touchscreen video consoles, along with an extensive library of templates to make it easier than ever to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. For ideas on how to showcase your school's diverse history, along with your proudest moments, visit vitalsignswalloffame.com. Or to learn more and get started with your digital Wall of Fame tribute, call them at 614-981-3589, or you can email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to thank Huddle for their support. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. Over 180,000 teams, including some of the best in the world, are using Huddle to help their teams play better using video and analytics. Huddle's the complete performance platform. They have online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, of course there's analytics, and a whole lot more. Huddle's also built for every level of play, starting with club and youth programs all the way through high schools and colleges, and even the pros are using Huddle to help their teams play better. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student athletes, a lot of their parents, and the coaches of the teams you're trying to get to recruit your kids. If you want to find out more about what Huddle can do for you and your athletic department and how your school can become a Huddle school, go to Huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. We also want to thank Athletic Surveys for their support. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also connects you with the 95% of the parents and the student athletes who really love your program, and it gives them a voice to help demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials. And then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466. Or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Go to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them show you how to take your athletic program from good to great. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Wednesday Wisdom. 
on the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, this week on Wednesday Wisdom, we have uh, a very new and hopefully a very good friend, uh, Jen Cease. Uh, Jen is uh, a podcast uh, guest, and she's also the founder of Mind to Define. Uh, she is a mental performance coach. Uh, she's going to talk a little bit about that, but then she's going to take a, a deeper dive into one of her recent projects uh, with a team and also some things that ADs and coaches can do on their own. So uh, before we get there, Jennifer, welcome to Wednesday Wisdom. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, your uh, podcast episode was uh, very, very popular, uh, you know, still getting a lot of hits and the information you shared, very valuable. So um, very briefly, you know, uh, remind us again, uh, any new listeners uh, about a little bit about your background, a little bit about mine to define, and let's hear what you were doing uh, recently with uh, a local high school team. Great. Um, so thanks for having me again, Jake. I really loved listening to, I've already gone through um, all the Wednesday wisdoms you've done before. And so studied them and wanted to make sure that, you know, and they were great, by the way, I, I was wowed by everybody who was there and uh, your podcast in general. So I really love being here. Um, as Jake said, I'm, my name is Jennifer C's Jen. I go by coach Jen, usually with my players and my athletes. And, um, I grew up like a lot of kids that are in competitive sports in back in the day. So I was a seventies kid an eighties kid. And then, you know, finished up was finishing up you know, my younger competitive days in, in the nineties, as I went to college. Um, in fact, uh, my, the local college that I went to, which was called Lindenwood college actually just made the, uh, the choice to go D one. So that was, that's a pretty big buzz here in, in St. Louis, um, which is, you know, I literally just came across a t-shirt I still have from when we played an indoor session and we had to make our own t-shirts and it says Lindenwood college on it. So it's back when it was just a, a small NAIA school and I loved it. And so that was great. So I grew up playing sports. I grew up playing, uh, recreationally, like we all get started and then competitively when that was a thing. And then I was the, you know, I feel like tell my kids, I was the overscheduled athlete before you even existed. <laughs> and now all of my kids are overscheduled athletes. And I spent most of my time between school and sports. That was really what I did. And when I went on in my career, somehow I've come back full circle uh, to not only coach teams, but then turn uh, what I found was my most interesting part about coaching players was not just having the perfect physical skill, right? Having them complete something physically, but it was many times what I didn't realize at the time were the mindset moments, those moments where they overcame a fear or they did something they thought they couldn't do, or they made the choice to risk failure and come out one way or the other. And then we coach to that. So I developed mind to define, uh, to work with players individually and as teams to level up their performance. And what we do with that is focus on so much of, of ownership, growth mindset and confidence so that they can, you know, really break down what it is that they like and didn't like about their performances. How can we level it up? And then how we can create strategies to move on because we all know that sports very much as my dad always said before, and it's hard to keep telling him he's right. And he loves it that sports are kind of a, a, a mirror of real life. As we grow into adulthood, that playing competitive sports as youths um, set us up for those maximum performance and life lessons, grit, resilience, right. Dealing with discomfort, that we need as we go into adulthood. And so Minded to Find developed out of that and was fully launched in the middle of last year. And to date, I've been working with private clients as well as coaching teams and high schools, uh, some high school teams themselves and clubs of teens. Well, uh, again, it was very intriguing to, you know, hear some of the things that you do with uh, teams and with individual athletes. And I know you just completed recently some training with a local high school. So uh, can you share some of the details about that? What did Absolutely. it actually involve? Absolutely. So a local high school here in St. Louis, Marquette High School, um, a little bit on the west part of uh, the St. Louis uh, County area um, where I was brought in. A, a friend of mine actually is an assistant coach for soccer. And when we actually played together in our older competitive days and she was interested in you know seeing if this could be a benefit to 
you know, high school sports and absolutely. So I got in through her introduction to the basketball team and I was able to complete from December till now, we completed three sessions where we went over. So these are, you know, these are gamers. They're girls that have many times been at practice and they will come and sit with me and we will talk about mindset or they'll come in a couple of times where one time we came in on a free day. One time we came in on president's day, I think it was a holiday and we went ahead and finished training. So people who it was really exciting to get these high school coaches and athletic directors backing this additional kind of uh, performance training we can do beyond the scaling and drilling of the sport. So I'm, I'm excited very much to see that athletic directors are, are paving the way with their teams and their coaches of not only just working on the sport itself, they've also added, of course, strength training, maybe speed and agility. We've added those things that we know enhance an athlete's experience with the sport. And now we're adding also a very important aspect. In fact, some could have call the most defining aspect of any sport that you play, which is mindset and how it can make a mindset can break the best player. And it can also uh, help a player who is struggling come out best on the other side and shine. And so Marquette high school was my first, actually my first uh, high school that I completed. And besides uh, them, I actually am closing up uh, on Friday team training with the natural softball club. I have a couple of others. Soccer, soccer season is rolling in here in St. Louis. So on the select side, we're restarting spring. And on the high school side, we've got women's tryouts for high school. And so I'm working with those teams as well. So I thought it would be, what I wanted to go over today were just some ahas that came out of the, those sessions with the teams and currently going on because they also mirror very much what happens in the private sessions. Um, and just last night, actually, I had, at about six o'clock central, I ran a free webinar and had about 15 people or so sign up uh, to talk about tryouts, right? So tryouts, I feel like happen all the time. There doesn't seem to be an open and close of almost any season anymore. <laughs> all sports kind of go all year long. However, with uh, tryouts, whether they're now or later, we have some of those same issues um, and questions coming forward that you often see in with the sports themselves. So for example, in the surveys with the teams like Marquette High School, what came out as the most helpful for them or the places that they struggled with in their play were um, seeing failure as growth. So that's growth mindset, right? For anybody who's familiar with growth mindset, which is everywhere now, right? Getting the lesson that you needed Maybe you didn't get the outcome you wanted, which is maybe success and whatever success was measured as, but you got the lesson that you needed versus seeing it as a failure. So that's where we're coming from there. The uh, circles of control was another big one, right? What control the controllables, what you can control and what you can't control. Because in games, just like in life and in school and in someday in your job or your families, there will be aspects of you that you have direct control over things that you can influence. You don't quite have enough control over, but you can influence it. And there are just some things that are totally beyond your control. So it's not so much about them themselves, but how you respond to those things that are out of your control that can sometimes make the difference in success. And then the last part, um, and this is probably the biggest one, actually, and I saved it for last, is the role of self-talk and generalization in the mind of a competitive athlete. Um, and I will tell you, there were several, I, I, my niche is our female players. Um, however, I have worked and I do currently work with a couple of male players as well. And I can't say that this is just gender-based because th those that struggle or those have challenges with mindset, just like a physical skill, we have challenges sometimes with physical skills, struggle with the same things. And they tend to be self-talk that happens after a failure, right, after a mistake, after a bad game, and those things that get you stuck or spiral into worse performance, which is probably an athlete's greatest fear, right? That mistake spiral of one thing leading to another in a negative way versus being, you know, hot. And so I thought it was really interesting that those things kind of came out. And then we ran the tryout webinar last night. Sure enough, when I asked questions about them coming on, like, what's your, besides making a team, was my question. Besides making the team or a team, 
what is your greatest worry about tryouts? And uh, the players or their parents sometimes uh, put in the questions, answered the questions, said, you know, uh, having confidence in general, of course, which is, feels like a little bit elusive. What happens if they don't perform that day? What about letting people down? Which I thought that was pretty eye-opening. Um, how to deal with nerves, which is pretty, that's pretty, I expected that. You know, and in being embarrassed, um, how do I deal with things not going the right way? Because we don't know how they're going to go at tryouts. You don't necessarily know who's going to show up. And they're kind of, again, pseudo life experiences for later. So out of those, um, the, the training with Marquette that I've completed, um, which was really, really interesting. And I loved hearing um, a couple of times, some of the players being able to say, hey, from the last session, I worked on, you know, my self-talk. So when I was at the free throw line and I had a basket that could push us one over, I was aware of what I was saying to myself at the line. And I had a player actually say in the thing, I, I, I usually tell myself, don't think, which I chuckle and I say, you know, when you say that you're actually thinking, <laughs> so it's not a bad thing, but, you know, let's think about the positive command, you know, rather than don't miss, which is a lot of times what we do. Um, Simon Sinek is a big one that if you go out there and look, he'll talk about, you know, your brain doesn't hear the negative part of your command. And it's, it's a great, it's like a two minute piece if you find it on YouTube and it's, he's right. And, you know, when, when pilots are taught or, uh, to fly. They don't focus on the obstacles they hit. They hope focus on the space between and those in-betweens uh, skiing. He brings up as an example, uh, if you're skiing through trees, which is not something I did, I was an open hill skier, <laughs> but when you ski through trees, if you focus on the trees, you're setting up more likelihood that you might hit the tree because your brain's focusing on the obstacle. It doesn't understand the don't part, the not. So I, one of the most fun moments, of course, is hearing that that positive self-talk helped her in that moment. And she did make the basket. Um, and then part of our work also is what if she didn't make the basket, right? And then what comes from that, which is the lesson. Um, so those, those are some ahas. The three things that I thought that from all that, from the surveys, from the tryouts conversation, um, and from the private work that I do with my players, one-on-one -on -one coaching, I've got several meetings after uh, this afternoon when they get home from school, are three main things. So I wanted to bring up is knowing who you are, using or not comparison, and that self-talk and generalization, which I will, I will hit at the very end. Um, so one of the things that came up in tryouts was, you know, knowing who you are. So when you're walking into a tryout, just like if you're walking into a job interview or you're walking into a new situation, you have no idea necessarily all of the variables. You don't know who should show up. You don't know what the coach is looking for. Um, sometimes you could even be an on a team. I think you had a previous guest that talked about, you know, having coaches change. I think it was a person who played volleyball. Um, you know, coach changed on her and it changes things, the unexpected. Well, one of the things you can do, what I try to help players focus on is, you know, do you know who you are when you've, you know, you're trying to make a team or do you know who you are when you're now on the team and what your role is? Because you can't show what you don't know, right? You can't show and you can't showcase to a coach or to somebody selecting you, or maybe one day uh, for those who want to go to college and play scouts, we know that there are scouts and recruiters. You cannot show if you are not aware of what are my, what are my zones of genius. And that comes out of a, a really great podcast I listened to recently. And um, I believe there's a book about it. You, everybody has their challenges. And I find that really high achieving athletes many times uh, are very hyper aware of what those problem pieces are for them, right? They know what skills I'm not good at or what parts of the game I am, I struggle with. What I find sometimes they don't know and where they go silent is when I ask them to, you know, list out their brag bag, list out the places like why as the coach, if I had to just go on faith and, and somebody had to tell me, why would they tell me you're good at the sport? What makes you good? Some of it might be physical. Maybe you're strong, maybe you're fast, maybe you're tall, whatever that sport requires, but there are a lot of other measures of that. And what are your zones of genius? What are the things that you're good at? Because what if, just what if, the way we looked at ourselves as, as athletes and performers 
And the way, if we were coaching our athletic directors and we're selecting those athletes, what if we not only looked for those zones of genius, but we looked at the way those players handled their areas of weakness, right? Those responding to adversity. What if that was the measure? And I wonder sometimes at the kind of athlete that we could develop if we were able to focus on, yep, okay, these are your strengths and this is how you could add to my team. These are your areas that you need to work on. And I want to see how you deal with adversity and how you deal. Because I think when we talk a lot about mental toughness, which is a term that gets, it's been around forever. I think it's a little bit different that it's about being more, uh, less tough per se than being flexible and agile. There's a, a lady on LinkedIn that talks solely about emotional agility and being agile in your performance. If something doesn't go your way, how quickly can you recover for the next lesson, for the next play? Sometimes that play, if you're a basketball player, like the team I was working with, that play is one second away. You know, a rebound goes up, you don't make the thing, you don't make the shot. And if you pull it down and you go back up and you put it in, well, that's probably a successful recovery of what was previously not the best shot. Um, I have a couple of stories actually that kind of go along with that. Um, I have a player that I'm working with. She starts trying out tomorrow as a freshman and she is really nervous. She kind of rates herself as just north of middle of her competition to make a team. Um, and there's a lot, a lot of soccer players coming out for, for her, uh, the private girls school. So there's a lot of soccer players uh, going out for that. And we talked about a particular area of weakness. She immediately pulled it out. And I said, what is it? And she said, well, they're one B ones. Like, I don't, I'm not very comfortable with one B ones. You know, I'm, I'm just, I've only got a couple moves. I'm not very, you know, I'm okay with them. It's not where I prefer. I'm better at different parts of the game. And so we talked about a little bit, there's a player that she'll probably come up against who's fantastic in the area, probably one of the top 10 players or so in the area. And, um, she, I said, well, what if you don't necessarily uh, play to win it when you're doing one V ones, what if you changed your strategy? Because if this person and you, if you know who you are and you know what you're good, good at, and you know who they are and you know who they're good at, sometimes you can actually overcome the challenge by changing the game. So I'll see if she uses it. I'm really excited to talk to her uh, after her tryout to see if she does. But if she gets this one V one, I said, what if you play for the tie? You know, what if you don't go to, if you don't think you can beat her in a 1v1, what if you change your thinking and you say the best, the outcome for me in this 1v1 is not scoring myself, but keeping her from scoring. And what if that is your measure of success? She's a defender, by the way. Um, so I just think that that's really important. And another story that came out actually came from Marquette on the, the soccer side. Uh, my friend and I, who's uh, on the soccer side of it said, you know, one of the best games I played as um, and I, at, at high school, she said, I had a coach who was a great guy. We all loved him. He didn't give a lot of feedback positively. You know, it was usually the critique, right? What, what you need to work on. And she said, and there was a game where I literally did by my measure, almost nothing. Like I didn't really feel like I contributed to the play. I didn't have the ball on my foot a lot. Um, you know, I was working hard, but I wasn't really doing anything. And at the end of the game, she said, he came over and was like, Sean, that was your best game. I've never seen you play like that. And she <laughs> it was, it was kind of fallen on her as to, you know, here her measures of having a successful game were obviously completely different than what her coach valued at the time. You know, it was hustle, maybe movement off the ball, some of those things that we have a hard time measuring with numbers and stats. So that would be the one, the first thing is is knowing who you are because you can't show what you don't know. Um, the second thing is comparison. So this happens daily when you're on a team. It happens at tryouts when you're trying to be on a team. In fact, Jake, it happened to me when I was going through and looking at your Wednesday wisdoms to be sure I could be a value to your audience. And I immediately, just like my players went to, oh my gosh, there's a former Olympian. Oh my gosh, there is somebody who is an athletic director at a college. Oh my gosh, there are two doctors on this call. How can I possibly add value? Um, and so I fall into the same trap sometimes. And I realized, took a little bit, I realized, whoa, there's obviously some things that, that they're very strong on and they are of value. And I learned a lot. And there are also things that I have. So that comparison point of when you do know who you are, you can actually use comparison to your benefit. 
Um, there's a lot of people out there that will say, don't compare, just don't compare yourself to people. I always kind of pull away from things that we try to tell ourselves not to do that are actually a natural part of our social being. We compare on a daily basis. When we walk into a tryout, I am immediately comparing myself to other players. In fact, a tryout is a comparison. It's a controlled comparison. When you're going through your tryouts and you're going through stations or maybe you're playing a game to see you know, who can play in the game versus who's a good shooter when they're just set at a station, right? You're actually looking at a controlled comparison. The coach is going to look at who shows up and compare it amongst all of you who are the people that I think would made a good team. So comparison is natural. Again, I just did it and fell into a few traps and had to dig my way out of it. But we can actually use comparison to grow if we know already what our zones of genius are. What are the things that make us special? What are the things that we can add value to a team? By the way, this is also good for the workplace, right? Everybody's good at different things and we often work together in teams, but our value much many times doesn't come because we're exactly like everybody else. It's what makes us different. And I found that those were sometimes the teams that I loved the most at how different the players were and what they contributed to the play was so different from each other that it couldn't really be replaced. And that made each of those players special, even if they weren't all equal in a certain skill set. And the last piece before we take the break, Jake, I wanted to just kind of bring up because I think it will set us up for the second part of our conversation is Self-talk and generalization. Again, I mentioned that a little bit when I first kind of came out with the, with the um, survey results. When I kind of formed Mind to Define and started coming up with areas that I wanted to work on with mindset, I had not realized how important and really fueling and also breaking self-talk and generalization can be. So when we self-talk, right, it's, those are things that we say internally in our heads, Every once in a while, they come out of our mouths, maybe quietly, <laughs> but we come out and our, they come out and the brain hears them. And we also generalize. So it's not unusual for me to get a player who will come on with me and say, I had a volleyball tournament this weekend. And I say, great, how did it go? And she's like, I sucked. And I say, awesome, what did you suck at? Let's get specific, right? Like I get that, I'm not gonna take that away from you and ask you not to feel like that was a, a bad game for you but we can't do anything with generalizing, I sucked. <laughs> we can only work with specifics. So what was a challenge? And you know what, Jake, when we finally kind of pull it apart and we pull out the game or we pull out what the tryout was, that generalization actually wasn't true. There might've been a station at the tryout somebody wasn't good at. There might've been one or two plays or their touch was off or their shot was off, but it turns out they used other parts of that game to actually be a contributing player. So self-talk and generalization can be helpful and they can also be extremely hurtful if we allow them to let us get stuck in that negative zone where it's okay to feel that way, but if we're not able to work our way to the positive side or the lessons for next time, then it really doesn't serve us in growth. Wow, a lot of really, really great stuff in there. I hope our listeners are taking notes. We'll do this uh, at the end, but Jen, if, if one of our listeners wants to reach out and pick your brain a little bit, find out more about uh, how Minds Define can help them, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Sure, the fastest way right now is email. So it's Jen, just Jen, J-E-N, at mindtodefine.com, just like it sounds. Um, I do have a website, which is a contact page at the moment. More is coming this year. I'm very excited. And then I'm up on the socials like Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Gen Size, Mind to Define. We're going to be back with some more after this quick break. This is Wednesday Wisdom on the Educational AD Podcast. Please stay with us. We want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for their support of Wednesday Wisdom and the Educational AD Podcast. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also puts you in touch with the usually 95% of the parents and the student athletes who really love your program, and it gives them a voice to help demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials and then give them a call 
at 1-800-738-6466, or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Go to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them show you how to take your athletic program from good to great. We also want to thank Huddle for their support. Remember at Huddle, we power sports. Over 180,000 teams, including some of the best in the world, are using Huddle to help their teams and athletes play better. Huddle's the complete performance platform. They have online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras like the Huddle Focus. Of course, there's analytics and a whole lot more. Huddle's built for every level of play, from club and youth teams all the way through high school and college programs. And even the pros are using Huddle to help their teams play better. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student athletes, a lot of their parents, and the coaches of the college and university teams that are trying to recruit your kids. If you want to find out more about what Huddle can do for you and your department and how your school can become a Huddle school, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. Welcome back to Wednesday Wisdom and this week's guest, Jennifer Size from Mind to Define. Jennifer, you really laid out um, uh, a lot of stuff that you've done uh, with specific schools and with athletes. Uh, what else do you have for us today? Yeah, well, you know, I thought the next place to maybe go is to make sure that we take those things that we just talked about, right? The things that I have learned from the teams that I've been working with, because I learned just as much about where they are in mindset as what I think I'm going to help them with from them themselves. And my my private coaching clients is to take also what we talked about in terms of self-talk and generalization, you know, what you say, how you say it matters, that, you know, comparison, the use of it, the not use of it, or how we use it, and then really knowing who you are and take that over to the coach and the athletic director side um, for what they need to do or what they need to think about or what maybe they should think about when they're working with their athletes um, and setting up their programs and setting, I believe you had a guest on, Jake, that talked about, you know, setting the culture of your programs, which I thought was really great for her to talk about, you know, what we expect from our athletes. And I think she went as far as to even talk about their student sections at school and the kind of support we want to be known for giving one team or the other team or both, right? And who we want to be in that. And I think we can also set that tone as coaches and athletic directors when it comes to our players coming in and making teams and staying on teams and growing from those teams. So we know that and we're in tryout season for a lot of people at the moment, that tryouts are like a job interview, right? They're a snapshot of time. And we know that and like any snapshot, even if you have several days of training, they're never really the fullest predictor of what future success will look like as you do the next 12 weeks, let's say, with your team or whatever your season looks like. They're snapshots in time. We also know that some people perform very well in snapshots, and we have other players that we might say don't perform as well. They're they're you know practice players sometimes, and they're gamers. And sometimes they're a little both, but sometimes they're not. And what we want to do in a tryout situation or what we want to do when we're trying to look at people who maybe you're a varsity coach and you're looking, you know, down the line a bit at those freshmen coming in or junior varsity coming in. I'd like to invite athletic directors and coaches to add mindset to a part of their basic skills requirements and what they want to work on with their players over time. So not just touches, not just the way I shoot, not just the way I dribble. And of course we have some of those, you got to be a good student, right? You got to keep your grades up all really important, but what if mindset was added as a part portion of that so that we can actually reduce the number of false positives, right? Those sometimes the players who are really great at skills, but when it comes to the culture of your team or mindset or those other things that are important, like being a good teammate or or being a good sport, having good sportsmanship, they end up not being where they are and, and those were not good selections. And then we have sometimes false negatives when we do anything that's kind of in a testing environment, which is what a tryout is. 
a false negative where we don't get that player that would have done really well, but maybe they didn't perform really well at the tryout or enough for us to see in their physical skills. And so what I mean by that is, uh, for example, in coming up in one of the local freshman tryouts that's happening tomorrow for soccer, uh, my player that I'm working with knows already what is expected physically of her. She knows that you know this will be part of what tryouts look like. By the way, if it's down between you and a player, another player, the, her, her coach is going to look for fitness, right? So she knows there's an actionable item that she can work on that differentiates herself from potentially um, a competitor in getting that spot she wants. And I'm saying too, that what if we added mindset to that? What if our coaches also said, our athletic directors also said, it's not just that the best get on the team. That's ideally, of course, what we all think about. When I had the webinar last night with the tryouts, it was all about the physical skills. What if that day I'm off? What if I don't do that thing the right way? That is important to be sure, but what if there was an additional measure that the athletes knew was there and that was, what if you don't do well and I want to see how you react to that, right? What if you miss that shot, soccer player? I was one who likes to like to send the ball over the goal a lot. I went high, that was my error. <laughs> and uh, I was teased that I should be, you know, a, play, a field kicker for uh, football because I always sent the ball so high over the goal. What if my measure of success in that moment, because data quantitatively, I missed that goal, right? Right as probably the head coach was looking at me, knowing my luck. But what if my measurement was also the coach saw that and I knew as an athlete, the coach also valued how I came back from that. So what if rather than hanging my shoulders in my head, I busted my rear end to go over and get the ball, come back in line with a really good attitude and go again the next time. So I think that when we add mindset and add those growth mindset pieces, ownership, confidence, and we let our players know that we're also looking for those things, we give them more items to be actionable on. So that day at practice, if my shot is completely off, but I am got 100% effort and those things that I value as a coach that they still have the shot of being looked at and it's not all quantitative outcome based, right? It's not, I made the most shots or I dribbled the best or I juggled the best or I threw the best, whatever that measure is, there is more to the game than that. And we all know that as coaches and former players, probably ourselves. But if we actually told them we were looking for more than that, and you had, Jake, another guest on that talked a little bit about what I like to call the in-between moments. Those are in-between moments that sometimes players don't realize they're being watched. And sometimes coaches and athletic directors, we don't be, we're not watching when we should be. It's not just when they step closer to us and we're setting up the next drill or we're in a game, right? And we're, we're talking about the next play and we send our starters out there. It's about what does our bench look like? It's about what does a water break look like? What are they saying to each other? What is their body language? And the more and more that athletes get better over time, I mean, the athletes today are a heck of a lot better than the athletes in my day. And I thought we were pretty good, <laughs> but the training is so different and so much better that sometimes the best differentiator can be mindset. It can be those things that used to be looked at as like the soft skills because they're hard to measure. But if I have a difference between a, an all-star player who's not good with their teammates and doesn't pick people up and is lazy, and I have a, a shot between that and another all-star player who has the mindset I want, who comes back from failure themselves, picks other people up, that could be the differentiator. So I just invite some athletic directors and coaches to think about that and talk, oops, talk about it, sorry, about my microphone, talk about it as being an important aspect as you build your team and then build your culture around that team. And Jake, I was really curious that I put you on the spot here, but I know you, you and your, you've done this for a very long period of time is what would you think if, if an athletic director or you as an athletic director invited your coaches to add that piece to the requirements of picking the team you want that year? I think you're muted. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, once again, I am a professional podcaster. I uh, love it. I love it. See mindset. It's mindset. <laughs> 
you and I, you and I talked about this, um, I, I think, either on or off the air on your original episode about you hear everyone from the the Olympics to the the pros all the way down to high school, you know, coaches talking about, oh, you know, sport or, or performance or success, you know, it's 90% mental, it's this right. percent mental, we all acknowledge right. that it's such an important part, a huge part of, of success, whether that's success on the scoreboard, um, on the field or that individual feel good lifetime success for all those kids who aren't going on to the pros. We acknowledge that mental performance and training is important, but yet how many of us, and myself included as a coach, um, how many of us devote um, any time, uh, 5%, 10%, you know, 25% of our training time with our student athletes to mental performance. Uh, and so to answer your question, uh, I would say, I, I think you're way ahead of the pack because I know it's, it's become more common now uh, than, you know, say, obviously when I was uh, a student athlete a hundred years ago, or <laughs> um, even, you know, 20 years ago in my coaching heyday. Uh, so I would be very excited to hear coaches or uh, have athletic directors uh, that are doing this, which is why you and I are talking right now. I saw you uh, and uh, said, you know, we need to hear more about this and, and how to incorporate it. So absolutely. Um, I, I think it's going to be one of those things that continues to gather steam and momentum. Uh, and you, people are going to be going, wow, why is, you know, coach Smith or coach Jones's teams, you know, doing so well. Uh, and it's going to come down to, well, they've added, uh, that component of mental performance training. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm really, I was hoping you'd say something like that. And I'm, I think you bring up a great point. You know, I think it was, it's a French, I use it in one of my team um, trainings. It's, you know, I think when it comes to the mind portion of any game, we've known for, for years, right. That it's been around. I mean, I was called an in your head kind of player. My coach would always tell me, get out of your head, cease, right. Just, just get out of your head, which is extremely frustrating for a person who spends most of her life in her head. And there are ways we can direct that thought getting completely out is probably not my, my thing, my jam. But I think that, you know, Nothing is, I think it was Victor Hugo, a French poet, novelist said, you know, nothing is more powerful than, a, than an idea whose time has come. And I think that, you know, besides the mental part of, you know, when it comes to uh, the closer to the clinical side, when it comes to breakdowns and, and things where we're really concerned about mental health, I think there's also something that comes to mental fitness, mental skills, where it's a skill. And I always say in my trainings, you know, we're doing mental practice. I, I what I'm trying to normalize the fact that we are practicing mentally because it's a skill. It's not just an add on. It's an actual skill that should be part of all of your games and all of your practices every single time. Right. So even in these four, these three sessions I did with the basketball team, I Marquette high school, I left them with, you know, We've done three hour and a half sessions. If you did three one and a half hour sessions with a shooting coach, you would probably not walk away thinking, great, now I'm going to be the best shooter ever and I'm never going to have to work on this. You would have to continue to work on those skills every single time, right? It's reps. It's practice and it's reps. And with mental skills, it's also practice and it's reps. And I think it's important how we position that also with um, – there are sometimes the, I get very little resistance to mental, mental practice and training, and I, which I'm very excited about. But when I do have a little bit of the, you know, the, the wary eye, it's, you know, it's really, really hard for teams to sometimes say, we're going to dedicate this time to the, the mental side, because they think they often have to put it in a silo and just do it, which we do in my trainings, that's for sure. We're not doing it on the court with balls. We're actually doing it in a classroom style and we're going through some things and we also do activities. But we don't always have to do it that way. We don't have to silo it. I mean, I bring my kids all the time to skills training. My kids are major the majority of them, they play soccer, right? So we go to touches. I just got an email today that, you know, technical training has begun for the spring season. So there's an extra practice where you should get you know, 500 touches on the ball, right? We know more touches equals more comfort with the ball. So that's really important. We're willing to spend that time where it's hard for coaches. And I would have been the same way, trust me, 
it's hard to dedicate some of the limited, it feels like practice time you have, because we know our athletes are so busy. Many of them are multi-sport, which is awesome. I don't ever want to take that away, but we think sometimes we have to take away from the physical side to do the mental side. We can actually do them together, right? There was a Sue Enquist, who was a UCLA, you know, 11 or 12 time national champion came to St. Louis and gave a talk, I think in 2019 to coaches around the area, which was really great. She's on YouTube. Her whole presentation is phenomenal. But what I loved was about three quarters of the way in, she talks about having a failure recovery uh, part of every single practice so that it's repeated in the game. And she gives the example of how she sits a player's rear end on a bucket, makes a station really hard. In other words, makes the station set up for failure. It's set up where you cannot really win. There will be fewer perfect throws since the player can't lift her butt up off the can, right? So we make that station really hard on purpose because we're actually trying to perpetuate failure so that the players can then practice their fit, their failure recovery system. And in her case, it was, you know, my bad. They pat their chest. They, call, uh, they say, you know, I got the next one and they call the number of outs. And they practice that at every single one so that when they got to their game, so they're still doing the physical, actually doing something really hard physical, and they're in, interjecting the mental components right there in practice. And so if you had to ask me like what my ultimate Zen is, it's, you know, you kind of end up training yourself out of a job, right? Because now coaches are able to do this and think about this. And again, I was a psych major and I coached teams and I didn't think about doing this. I was reactionary to it. It was you know, why did you, you know, what, you know, you were doing so well at practice, what happened? Well, they were in their own head. So if we could introduce the mindset skills as the way we, part of those programs, right? So I invite um, athletic directors and coaches to think about, you know, adding, you know, they're used to just go out and you just practice the sport. And then as time went along, you know, weight training became important for sports that it hadn't been important before during the season and off train off season conditioning. We had some of those additional things that we know because a conditioned athlete is a better athlete, no matter what sport you're playing, a strong athlete is a better athlete, no matter what sport you're playing. Well, an athlete with a healthy mindset is going to be a better player or an athlete because of their mindset. So we should be working on that during practices, during games. And so we can be proactive with it rather than just reactionary. And that's, oh my gosh, you know, the player choked. We choked because we know game variables are very different from practice variables. So if we add those things to our trainings and our practice, we could actually add a little bit more to making that grown athlete, that person that goes out there, whether they continue playing the sport competitively throughout their adult career, or they move on to something different, we all know we take things away from sports. And I think mindset would be a great thing that you're able to take away from anything that's performance driven. So that's kind of what I wanted to go over in terms of, you know, really inviting coaches and athletic directors to take a look at adding those elements there, because what you say and how you say it is really important. One of the things that still gets me to this day, Jake, sometimes is, and it's just personal thing. It's when I grew up in the time, and even when I went to Lindenwood, which was NAI at the time, and now it's going NCAA division one, which is growth and excitement. When I was playing soccer, it was the soccer team, which meant men's. And it was the women's soccer team or the lady, we were the lady lions. And I took a lot of issue with that at the time. And I didn't really understand why. And I still see it prevalent in some programs. There are people I'm connected with on Twitter where, you know, Soccer is soccer on the boys' side, but it's lady soccer or women's soccer on the other, other side. And we know that that kind of way we brand it makes a difference. I really appreciate the schools, college, high school, otherwise, that have gone to saying the sport is soccer or basketball or whatever it is. And we happen to be in the season for women or men, or it's both. You know, sometimes in winter, we know boys and girls basketball happens at the same time. Because we know that what we say and how we say it matters a lot to how it's perceived. Um, I'll even bring it if I want you wanted me to take it down a little bit. I went, I've talked to players in the past where we went to schools and you can really tell like what the prevalent sport is. So beyond girls and boys, like if your prevalent sport, let's say is football, right? I, I pick on football a lot because I was always having to compete with football players for <laughs> time in the training room with my injuries. And 
if you lead every conversation about sports at your school with that sport, right? Football, 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 it can, doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you're a swim school, maybe you're something else. Maybe that's your dominant sport. The other sports tend to feel a little less important, right? Even if they are dominant. Um, when I went to Lindenwood, we were the winningest team at the time. And this was 1995 of all the teams at the school, men's, other sports and otherwise. And when I was a freshman, actually, it was debated whether or not we would be able to go to the national tournament in Tacoma, Washington, because we were just a girl sport. And so it was, you know, that kind of mentality because it was a football led school at the time. Um, that's where, you know, that's where the crowds went. That's what brought all the attention. And it was argued at the time that sometimes like, hey, this is, this is because that brings in the money. But what if actually we directed where the attention was? We directed what we were all about by the chosen attention we choose to give it, just like mindset. So if we lead and the only thing we ever talk about at our school is one particular sport, then don't be surprised if the other sports suffer for it. And if we lead with a sport always being called its generic term, an assumption of it, in fact, being the male part of the sport, don't be surprised when the other side feels neglected. And this is all related to mindset and how we set things up. And I think athletic directors and coaches are perfectly positioned to, um, as one of your guests said, you know, set the culture for what sports looks like at my school. What does sports look like in my district? What do we value? What do we train? What kind of athletes do we turn out? Student athletes and mentally sound athletes by what we bring our attention to. Because what we say and how we say it and what we put the focus on, well, that's what truly matters in the end. Well, great, great stuff. And again, that's, uh, that's a whole different show in, in and of itself. But uh, Jen Sides, really. Mind to Define, uh, mental performance uh, expert, definitely had a master class today. Uh, as always, if one of our listeners wants to reach out and pick your brain and ADs and coaches, I certainly encourage you to do so. Let's you know start adding this missing component of um, mental performance training. How do they get in touch with you? How do they find Absolutely. out more? Quickest way, I'm an email person. So it's Jen with one N. I didn't realize that two Ns was a thing until like the last decade of my life. <laughs> so Jen at mindtodefine.com. That website is up and I'm also on the socials there and would be happy to talk with you and see if there's, you know, any ideas or anything we can do to add this component to, you know, developing the best student athletes uh, that are going to go out there and do great things one day uh, that we can do. All right. Thanks again for being on, Jen Seiss. Thanks, Jake. Um, uh, part of our Wednesday Wisdom team. Okay. For our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of all of these interviews are uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back again next time for another episode of Wednesday Wisdom on the Educational AD Podcast. Thank you.